You guys, if you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, you need to. It's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcast, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to Mimesis, the podcast where life and art imitate each other in all sorts of twisted ways. I'm Sandra Sheriff Zachary. And I'm Stacey Rourke. And we are your host on the Zany Adventure. Yes, we are. Any and adventures what an this adventure week? To- um, <laughs> <laughs> apparently I have more than you. Yeah. Um, talk- we talked right over each other. Um, my adventures this week, uh, we just got um, a Peloton bike for the first oh. time ever. Yes. Peloton, please sponsor us because I'm addicted. Um, I want one. We got it. You need one. We got it 10 days ago. I'm 10 for 10 as to daily workouts. Nice. Um, And you can stack the things you want to do. So I go in and stack it where I like do a five minute warm up and then I'll do a a 20 or 30 minute ride and then 20 or 30 minute uh, strength training. And then you can do a cool down exercise and then you can do a stretching one at the end and different things every day. Today I did... um, did some dance workouts today. One of them nice. was an Usher dance. You know, you're dancing <laughs> Usher. to all Usher music. And at the end, Usher himself came out oh, and nice. started like <laughs> singing and dancing along with it. That was amazing. Um, they have a Lizzo ride that you're oh. on the bike and you're you're going to all Lizzo music. And oh, then Lizzo I think I saw that. She herself came out. Yes, she yeah. came out. Her dancers were behind her. She's on the bike going and singing along with it. It was freaking amazing. So Yeah, I follow Lizzo on TikTok, and I think I saw her post something about that. And I was like, what is that for? But I never went back to the video. <laughs> I, I highly recommend it. And honestly, what we pay for the monthly prescription subscription to (laughs) the app which is where you get all your workouts Uh and everything through there's one cost for the entire family it's like forty dollars a month but you cannot take your entire family to the gym for forty dollars a month so i highly recommend it and like i said there's weight workouts you get off the bike you're actually using the screen for the workout highly recommend and no yeah. Peloton is not sponsoring this. We're just hoping someday they do. <laughs> and we just want to recommend the product because yeah, you like mainly, it. Mainly, <laughs> I just want to recommend the product because it's it's fantastic. I feel great. And, good. Uh, yeah. Doing good um, things. Good things. I, I, I really need to get back to the gym. and Or just I'm get thinking, a Peloton bike. Or just get a Peloton bike. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll see what happens first. <laughs> I highly I recommend to, it. We, I need to finish um, the renovation of my office before I can do anything like that. <laughs> yeah, you need to have a place to put the bike yes. before. Yes, 
the bike mm-hmm. comes home. Oh, they have, when they deliver it, they have the people that come right into your house and they set it up for you and they give you a tutorial on how it works. And, oh, wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's <nice>. pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to say I'm addicted, but I'm addicted. Addicted. So, um, yeah. The other thing before we get into this week's episode that you're hosting, I do want to touch on last week's Elvis episode. Yeah. We had a listener, Susan Burdorf, who contacted yes. me. And Susan works in a, um, a home for seniors in Tennessee. And she actually has a couple of her residents in this home that knew Elvis when they were little girls. Like, knew, knew? Like, knew him, knew him. To awesome. where um, one of them said he gave her guitar lessons. How adorable Aww. is that? That's awesome. Now, these two women did not know each other beforehand, but they met okay. in the home and they both happened to know Elvis. So they were exchanging stories. And both of That's them, so cute. <laughs> the things they, they could agree on was that he was a very shy young man, which is not something you'd think of when you think of Elvis, that he was shy. No. Um, and also that he was very humble. He didn't, you know, he wasn't the guy that was throwing his wealth around. He was very humble and he was very kind. And I thought that was very cool that, you know, these two women that never knew each other before, they they both interacted with him and and had the the same opinion of him. Yeah, that's that's really cool. Yeah. So I was glad she reached out with that. Susan, thank you for sharing that story. Yes, thank you. I we like, like to hear the stuff. <laughs> yes. We like to hear that people yeah. are listening and we're not just talking to ourselves. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, which we do so, enough anyway. We do. Yeah. Yeah. I told you about when I was at the gas station, didn't I? <laughs> no. <laughs> Please. I work from home. I talk to myself all day long. And then I went out to the gas station and the pump wasn't working. And I was talking out loud that I don't understand what's happening here. This is the dumbest. And then I was like, you are by yourself and full out talking to a gas pump. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Other people can hear me. I remember now. Oops. <laughs> yeah. Oops. Yeah. Okay. Anyways. So this week's episode. Yes. It's kind of a head- heavy hitter. So okay. we do have trigger warnings of depression, suicide, okay, and murder. <laughs> oh. Yeah. <laughs> so please like it's going to get deep. And okay. we're going to go off on tangents, but there is some really cool stuff in this of like healthy things. <laughs> okay. Um, what are we talking about? We're talking about Patch Adams. I would not think that's what you were going to say after saying murder, suicide, and depression. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I didn't I didn't know what I was getting myself into watching the movie. And okay. then after I watched it, I was like, oh, okay. Like, I always thought it was a funny, happy comedy movie, not kind of mm-hmm. this, we're going to poke at some real life issues. Okay. I know nothing. Like, I've seen the movie. I know nothing about the man himself. So anything you can teach me there, (laughs) Obi-Wan. (laughs) Obi-Wan. Okay. So we're going to start out by saying, please, if you are having thoughts of suicide, reach out to somebody. 
anybody. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Like the new number for the crisis line is 988. Um, Easier to dial instead of the long 1-800 number. I think that it used to be. Um, It's just 988 now? 988. It was just released like July 2022. So, I mean, just like a month ago. Okay. We'll start with the opening. Okay. You ready? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. The opening scene of the movie Patch Adams, played by Robin Williams. Who's brilliant. Uh Was brilliant. Was brilliant. And yeah. He plays Hunter Patch Adams. He has checked himself into a psychiatric ward in 1969 as suicidal. Which really, it's hard to see him portray somebody that reached out is at contemplating that time. suicide. Yeah. Yeah. Because he didn't reach out in that moment in his own life. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, the film was released in 1998. Mm hmm. Um, so he is looking for meaning in life and is definitely having mental anguish. He talks with a psychologist and realizes he really isn't listening to him. So he starts saying random obscene words and phrases. The psychologist isn't listening to him. Right. He's sitting in front of the psychologist and the psychologist is just trying to put sugar in his coffee and make sure his coffee tastes good and just taking random notes and not listening to him. And so and he starts like saying, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> he starts saying like penis and weird random things. <laughs> and then finally the psychologist, psychologist was like, what'd you say? And he's like, oh, nothing. I didn't say anything. <laughs> you know, how sad is it to be at that moment when you're saying I need help and to blatantly see that the person that's supposed to be listening and is supposed to be there to help is just clearly not right like they are there to help you through this and they're not doing it like i'm gonna be honest i see a therapist and have seen Mm -hmm. a therapist for a while now and she's very good and i was not the best patient (laughs) For the last few years, <laughs> I hid things. And Which is counterproductive. It, it very much is. And it took me coming to see you when you had your surgery for me to realize just how bad I was. Yeah. And finally reached out and got a little more help. And Good. doing a lot better now. <laughs> but, but you I'm know what? Masking. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes that's that's what needs to happen you have to have a breakdown before you go okay i gotta if i'm gonna do this i gotta do it for real yes and now i'm on medication and i'm actually able to open up like it almost like shut off that part of my brain that was telling me not to talk about things Mm -hmm. and like opened my mouth to be able to talk to her about things that really i needed to work on you know i think there's a stigma to having to be on medication to help you cope with emotional things. There's still very much a stigma that goes along with it. And if our listeners get nothing else out of this episode, I hope they get that that stigma only exists in your mind. It's a, it's yes. another hurdle for you to jump over. 
And once you do, it really can improve the quality of your quality of your life. Um, I'm on something for anxiety every day, and I will be very honest and say my anxiety when I am not on this borders on manic. Yeah, um, it, it does. It does. It borders on manic. And I can't function because I'm everything has to be done right now and it has to be done perfectly. And I feel like I have to tackle the entire world right now. And if I don't, I'm failing in some capacity. And you know what? I, I went on medication for it and now I realize, hey, you know what? Sometimes it's okay to just sit down and have some self self love time, self care. Yeah. You know, treat yeah. yourself good. Don't expect more of yourself than, than you, you would, would expect, expect of, of anybody else. Anybody else. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mine is depression anxiety mm-hmm. where it depression that was caused from childhood trauma. Mm-hmm. being raised by a narcissist dating a narcissist then not your husband <laughs> not my husband <laughs> um then losing the step parent to suicide yeah which then brought up the trauma of losing my dad mm-hmm. so it's been like depression on depression on depression and then having a child so young postpartum depression that was never caught then postpartum depression with my son. So it's been like just years and years. So now it's, I think it's called like generalized anxiety disorder. Mm-hmm. And the medicine has helped so much to be able to like work past those traumas. Yep. And that's, yeah. it, sometimes that's what you got to do. Yeah. And to help you get past I have it. To like tell myself, I am worthy of love and self-love. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So he, going back to the movie now, Mm -hmm. (laughs) he, Patch Adams, starts to connect to the patients and realizes that the medical system is broken. Okay. And wants to become a doctor and helps people to change the medical system. And he... I lost the word. Um, He checks himself out from the psychologist. Okay, but he's got a renewed purpose now. Yes. Yep. So he didn't go in there for what he thought he was going in there, but he came out with something even better. Even better. And he chose. He's saying, I'm choosing to be happy. And that's what we know what he did before for a living. I was going to get to that, like, right okay, now. Okay, sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so, um, Patch really did go into the psychiatric hospital. However, he was a lot younger than was portrayed in the movie. Okay. So, I found this on his website. He said, okay. after my father's death, we moved back to Virginia, and I was placed in an all-white school where I immediately was confronted with the ugliness of segregation. I got in trouble with my classmates and was beaten up for standing up for the racism that surrounded me. I was a strange, nerdy kid, and in my late teens, I was hospitalized three times because I didn't want to live in a world of so much violence and injustice. Eighteen. Wow. So that's how young Three times by 18? Three times by 18 for wanting to commit suicide. 
That's so sad. But you know what? Good for his parents that they were on top of it. They were attentive. They were trying to get him the help that that he needed. His mom, yes, because his dad passed away. Okay, yeah. Yep. Um, but yes, absolutely. Uh, he said, everything changed in the last hospitalization when I decided that I, instead of taking my life, I would make a love revolution. And at 18, I found my desire to serve humanity through medicine and made the commitment to myself to never have another bad day. And he left the hospital on fire and purpose and a couple interest while working on my medical degree. He was going to have a love revolution. That's what a great way to look at it. I'm going to live my life focused on love from this day forward. Yeah. And focus on humanity. Yes. That everybody deserves happiness and love. And to come to that conclusion at 18, are you kidding me? Wow. Like looking into the what he wants as his hospital to be is what I think most want out of their medical. Like free hospital, no insurance, no copays, nothing. It's just a community. And there's so many uh, countries that that's how their medical system is. Yeah. You don't pay for medical treatment. (laughs) Right. And this goes to the extreme. They want you to help out Mm -hmm. if you can, like make dinner for this person. Like it's a whole like home community. Okay. It makes sense. Like I, my way of loving people is I just want to make them food all the time. Yeah. Yep. I'm I'm an acts of service person. I want to do things for people. Like I want acts of service done for me too. Mm -hmm. Like, I I don't know. That's just me and how I am. But like, I love it. Do you know, this is again, it has nothing to do with the depth of this moment right now, but we're talking about our love languages a little bit. (laughs) I would have married my husband over again today so hard like i would have married that boy so hard and do you know why you know we're both we're hitting the peloton every day and yesterday before i worked out uh he had cracked open a a monster because he was you know in middle of the day he's starting to sag a little and i asked him is there a monster left over because i'm gonna work out in just a minute and he was like there's two more in there now this boy got up this morning, worked out, got ready for work, went to work. All of that time, he he, he had plenty of time to drink that second monster that was in there because I had there was one left. He left me that monster for my Aww. workout today. <laughs> Would marry him again so hard. I'm not even kidding. It's a little thing. <laughs> so I opened the refrigerator. I was like, <gasps> see, now that's love. 20 some years. Uh-huh. That's love right there. Uh-huh. Well, my husband almost made me cry today. And did he poke you in the eye? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to say yes, but no. <laughs> I mean, I could have said yes. Um, no, he, Evan was having a little bit of fit. Mm-hmm. And he sat down with him and was talking to him. And he, like, calmed him down and, like, was talking about kindergarten with him and how excited he was and how proud he was of him. And Evan looks at him and goes, you're proud of me? And Aww. Scott was like, 
yes, I'm very proud of you, buddy. And Evan just gave him the biggest hug. And I was like, (laughs) (laughs) I have to go outside for an an unrelated reason. (laughs) Yep. I got poked in the eye. I got poked in the eye. I got to go outside. Aw, sweet. It was a good day for married people. It was. Or at least these two. (laughs) These two. Well, maybe not in the movie. A little. Not in the movie. Well, it wasn't today in the movie for them. (laughs) No, it was not. (laughs) Okay. So what's next? So um, with renewed direction, Patch goes to medical school. He has a roommate played by Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh, he's great. He was great. He was. Good Lord. There's a lot of people Uh in past tense in this movie. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. (laughs) Very much. Um, So Hoffman really doesn't understand why at the age that Patch is that he is just starting medical school. But that wasn't really the case in real life because he was younger. Right. I think it's portrayed that he was like 47. Okay. In the movie. So quite older. Yeah. But really it was like he got his medical medical degree in 71. He was born in 45. So. Okay. So yeah, he was yeah mm-hmm. but yeah. i think they probably had to do that because robin williams was older probably yeah yeah so patch begins a friendship with fellow student corinne fisher also a love interest in their third year as medical students patch develops an idea for a medical clinic built around his philosophy of treating pace- patients using humor and compassion with the help of a man who was a patient whom Patch met while in the mental hospital. He purchases 105 acres in West Virginia to construct the future Gesundheit Institute. I probably murdered that word. (laughs) I think you said it right. If if, if I meant to say Gesundheit. I think think that's right. Okay. Say it with conviction Um, and we'll all believe you. Yeah. Uh, Together with Corinne Truman and some other friends, he renovates an old cottage into a clinic. When they get the clinic running, they treat patients without medical insurance and perform comedy skits for them. Aww. It's like the sweetest thing. Like, I am so glad that in real life they did this. All of this like he actually, actually did. This wasn't he, like just for in well, the movie. Well, that was part of the movie. And but in real life, he really did run the Gesundheit Institute Aww. for 12 years, I think it was. Wow. Yeah. That's a good long time. He helped a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I I want to ask like what happened to it, but I feel like you're going to get to that. So I'm not gonna I'm going rush to you. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um when Ren reveals to him that she had been molested as a child, Patch confronts her and reassures her that she can overcome her pain by helping others. And she, he encouraged Corinne, oh, the encouraged Corinne wants to help a disturbed patient, Lawrence Larry Silver. However, Larry murders Corinne with a shotgun, then immediately commits suicide. Oh. How Patch, much of that was written. true? Oh, we'll get to it. Okay. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Can't Patch guilty ridden. <laughs> what was that? 
<laughs> you can't I leave us hanging over in you. <laughs> I know. I'm trying. I'm trying. Um, <laughs> Talk faster, woman. <laughs> Patch guilt guilt ridden by Corinne's death begins to question the goodness and humanity standing on a cliff. That was a hard scene to watch. Robin Williams standing on the cliff saying, I could do it. Oh. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Mm. That, uh-huh. Yeah. I I was sobbing. Yeah. Through like most of the rest of the movie. Yeah. Um, standing on a cliff, he contemplates suicide again and asks God for an explanation. He then sees a butterfly that reminds him of Corinne had always wished she was a caterpillar that would turn into a butterfly and fly away. The butterfly lands on his medical bag and shirt before flying away. With his spirits revived, Patch decides to dedicate his work to her memory. Oh, so the real thing. (laughs) Okay. Patch completed his pre-med courses at George Washington University. He began medical school without an undergraduate degree and earned his doctor of medicine degree in 1971. In the late wow, 1960s, without an undergraduate, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, in the late 1960s, one of his closest friends, a man, not a woman, was murdered by a deranged patient. Oh, so, so that part was really true. That part was really true. It wasn't his love interest. Corinne, right. Yeah. Corinne was not... A real character like okay. she was made up for the movies but i think they probably wanted to work in that someone he cared about died but they tried to make yes. it a little bit more well they wanted your heartstrings to, by yeah they wanted to show that he did have a lot of interest like he met his wife in the last year of medical school okay so they just kind of made it the same person instead yeah, of they combined them. the two yeah. Okay. Is his li- is his wife still alive? I don't know. Okay. He divorced her. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope she's well wherever she is. <laughs> yes. They did have two children, but he did say, um, like, he has a whole website. Like, I took things off of his personal thing. So these are all, like, quotes from his website. Oh, I like that. Um. He said, I became interested in a whole system thinking, thinking of ways to integrate it with the hospital community concepts that emerged in medical school. In my imagination, I envision a communal echo village hospital that would address every problem on the way healthcare was delivered in one model. I wrote it up in a paper in 1971, and this was the basis of what the Gazootite Institute became. Good for him. Yeah, to actually see that a change needs to be made and take the steps to do it. Yes, there are so many things with like the whole medical field, and that's what there needs to be a change to the hospitals, the doctors' offices, the insurance, everything. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. Hate dealing with insurance companies. I doing little things anymore, like trying to make a doctor's appointment. My kids recently wanted to make this the change from a pediatrician. They're teenagers. They want to go yeah. to a general practitioner now. They, they feel yeah. like their pediatrician isn't quite getting them. They're getting a little older. They wanted to make the change. Yeah. So I tried 
calling my doctor's office. You can't just call anymore. You get put through to a phone service. Yes. Excuse me. Um, they put you through to a phone service and it says, um, you know, go on our app and try to use our app. So I would go on the app and I'd say, I'm an existing patient. I'm trying to add my children. And then it was, well, use this link. And then I'd try to use the link and the link wouldn't work. And they'd say, contact so-and-so. I am not right. exaggerating when I say every day for a week, I tried getting a hold of somebody just to try to make this, these appointments. And they couldn't get my kids in until March. Holy crap. Yeah. And I'm not even exaggerating. That's that's how we're it is in right August. I, I was I was expecting like October, March. That's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I was supposed to what? I had a kidney stone in November, and they couldn't get me in until no January to do the surgery. Yeah, yeah, it's it's insane yeah. how they put things off or yeah. Yeah. There's a lot that needs to be changed. And there's, you know, those people that are not getting any kind of treatment that they need because they, you know, they don't qualify or their insurance doesn't right. cover it or. The, that's the thing. If you make so little money that you can't even go to the doctors to help yourself. Yeah. So that you can work to make the little money that you're getting. That's a shame. Yeah. We're failing like, people. We're, we're completely failing people. The insurance companies, I have had to do their jobs for them pretty much. Call the one, because my daughter has to. Call the one, call the other. Try and get them to coordinate the benefits. That shouldn't be my job. They no. have people to do that. But they, they get paid to do that. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because they don't expect people to do the legwork that you're doing. They expect them just right. to go, okay, well, I guess I have to pay out of pocket. Right. And the amount of money that the doctor's office have to charge for things to even get what they need out of it. That's mm -hmm. why it's ridiculous. Yeah. Like, I'm going to charge $12 for an ice pack, even though that ice pack cost us a dollar. But I'm going to charge that insurance $12 so that I get that $1 back. Yeah. It's horrible. It's it's become such a big business. Um, Jay had to get two root canals recently, and they said our out-of-pocket expense for this before or after insurance, they said it was going to be like seven hundred per tooth, something like that. Yeah. Um, so with crown and everything, or. I, I don't even remember how it broke down. Okay. I just remember that for this one initial thing, they said, um, your insurance will cover this much. You have to pay 700 per tooth. And he was like, okay, well, we do what we got to do. So <laughs> he paid it and, you know, everything got done. We hadn't heard anything back. So we thought everything was taken care of. And then I went to take my daughters in just for a cleaning and, I was like, okay, well, I have a copay. And they were like, oh, no, 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 you don't. It's it's covered. You have you have a, a credit on your account. And I was like, a credit? A credit? Yeah. What do I have a credit on my account for? Well, um, your insurance paid more for his crowns than we thought. 
we were going to. So we just credit the remaining balance to your account. And I was like, how I much is like on there? I would like please. Oh, guess how much was on there? How much? $950. <laughs> no, no. I want my money back. Yeah. Yeah. Give me a oh, refund. We're going to need a refund for that. Are you freaking kidding me? Yeah. You're going to keep that night? No. No. <laughs> like, I don't come to the dentist enough for that to stay on it as a credit. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> no, plus, no. Our insurance cover our cleanings. So I'm going to need that back. I'm going to need that money back. Oh, Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> the oh. fact that somebody in their office was like, eh, just credit their account. No. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so let's get back to Patch. Okay, back to Patch. With an amazing group of friends, he created the Gunzutite Institute. Gazunite. Thank you. <laughs> a pilot hospital model, which was operated for 12 years out of the communal home. They were always open to any kind of problem. The policies were, one, no charge. Two, no health insurance reimbursement. Three, no malpractice insurance. Four, three to four hours initial interview with the patients. So you really get wow. to know the patients. Yeah. Five, home as the hospital. Six, integration of all the healing arts. So everything from okay. like mental to like holistic. We're do like the Reiki, yeah, holistic, everything. Reiki. Okay. See, I, <laughs> I don't do words well. It's okay. <laughs> I just talk. Um, this is a fun game you say it and i just try to decide what you were saying isn't that what I we usually do when means, i text yeah i think she means this and then every now and then i just have to go what what yeah so um, how did they get paid like how did they keep the money to even keep the place going for 12 years i don't know hmm. it was all it like donated like time donated okay. things yeah okay that's, that's the only thing that i can imagine or they were maybe they were working as a nonprofit. i don't think so because they didn't want anybody to pay anything so okay. this is all like donated services okay so did yeah. did i wonder if the physicians that worked there had other places they worked as well and just Possibly. donated some of their time yeah which I, um, I like that idea. Yes, very much. And that's what I'm saying. Like, if we could all, as a society, just donate things, what happened to trade and barter? Seriously. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm going to help you out. You help me out. We're all good. See, I would love that if we went back to the community where, like, somebody sits around and tells stories all night to entertain yes. people. <laughs> And then people give them like gifts and goodies in exchange for that. That yeah, that would be great. I'll I want to be the crazy the old and cook. Yeah, I want to be the crazy old lady storyteller. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> okay, seven integration of medicine with performing arts, arts and crafts, nature, agriculture, education, recreation, and social services. Eight, the health of the staff is as important as the health of the patient. Yes, absolutely. Yes. That's like, so nobody true. Nobody should be wearing themselves out so much that they can't take care of somebody. 
and how often did that happen in the midst of COVID? All the that time. medical professionals were freaking so dead dog tired. Yeah. Wearing themselves out and yeah, no. You can't nope. take care of somebody unless you're taking care of yourself. Yep. Boundaries. Mm-hmm. Boundaries. Mm-hmm. So not only did he actually create this hospital, he also created 50 presentations and performed them in 70 countries. Wow. He's spoken at numerous medical schools in the U.S. and around the world. In 1985, he took a group of people on a clown trip to what was the Soviet Union, dressed in colorful clothing, and they visited hospitals, orphanages, um, homes for the elder. Ellery? <laughs> elderly. Homes for celery. Homes. <laughs> homes for the elderly and just clowning around in the streets. Aww. The trips have been an integral part of, do you want to say the word? Because now it's like. Zoom height. Zoom height. It's not spelled how it's pronounced. So like I keep looking at the word and just butchering it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, what? Okay. Um, part of consumed height global outreach that is so cool mm-hmm. and if you go to his patchadams.org you can sign up to go on these clown trips i don't know if it's just for doctors i want to go <laughs> yeah i'm not the, a doctor but can i interest is- you in a crazy storyteller <laughs> Uh, yes. Like, see, I think that that would be, well, especially if you're going to like orphanages and like just talking to people and trying to just raise their spirits. Yeah. Although let's be honest, the stories that I tell don't necessarily raise the spirits. <laughs> well, they do. <laughs> just <laughs> Yeah, I raise the dead. <laughs> That's true. I have to tell you, okay, so speaking of being a crazy storyteller, there was a story that your grandma, my mom, used to tell me when I was a little girl about this little girl, and she named the little girl Stacy because she was telling the story to me, and that she had this doll named Annabelle, and which, by the way, there's a haunted doll named Annabelle. Why the hell did my mother name it that? (laughs) That's what I'm saying. Like, uh... It came alive. It killed her. No, this was a different story. Um, she lost the doll. The doll was outside in the rain. The doll came alive and made its way Killed to the window. It was mad. <laughs> came to the window to try to make its way back to the little girl and saw that the little girl's mom had put another doll in bed with her. So the doll thought she'd been replaced. Like, I'm telling this in a way that it sounds like a big, huge bummer of a story. But in the end, like... Annabelle doesn't kill anybody and she finds her way back to the little girl and they live happily ever after, right? Okay, well, Grandma so that told me also sounds like Toy Story 3. Kind of, yeah. But Grandma told me this story all the time when I was little. Like, this was one of my favorite stories. Yeah. So I tried to tell this story to my own kids. <laughs> but because of my storytelling and the fact that I make things a little bit darker... <laughs> My daughter was sobbing. She's like, this is the saddest story. I need you to stop. <laughs> so she's she's never heard that 
Annabelle actually finds her way back and everything's okay. As far so- as she knows, the doll was just left outside to rot. That's <laughs> Grandma set you up. She, she tells creepy stories. <laughs> she really she set you up. She told me these stories and then like 10 years old, she's like, would you like to read a Stephen King book? And I'm like, yes, I would. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Okay, so maybe I won't go with Patch Adams. <laughs> no, but the next one is September 4th through oh. the 11th and they're going to Costa Rica. Oh, right. I would like to go to Costa right. Rica. Yes. They have monkeys there. You really want to go see monkeys right now? <laughs> I am monkey pox. Yeah, well, yeah. All right. Never mind. We won't do that right now. <laughs> oh, what are we living through right now? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Something else. So in the movie, it shows Patch at a trial at the end of the movie, um, defending himself to be able to graduate and get his medical degree. I can't find anything to say that that's true. Okay. Like if that really happened. Um, but in that scene, the real patch has a cameo. He's sitting <gasps> right behind Robin Williams. Oh. Yeah. I love yep. that. Yeah. When the staff gives him the verdict, he's sitting right behind him. Oh. Yeah. So he was in the movie. That's fantastic. How cool. Yeah. Um, I've got some little trivia things. I mean, that's kind of all about the movie. Okay. Let's hear it. Uh, So during filming, Robin Williams and the rest of the cast and crew worked closely with Make-A-Wish Foundation to fulfill the fantasies of several children who were at the time undergoing cancer treatments. The children appeared with Williams in scenes at the pediatric ward. So they were in the movies. So they were really sick kids. Oh. Yeah. And he you know made what? them laugh. That's, yeah, that's such a Robin Williams thing to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that shows, like, like depression, you can hide it. Yeah. And you need to really be open and honest and talk about it. Not everything is as dark and dim as what you feel that it is. Um, there was also something that came out about his death not too long ago. Something about he had some sort of brain disorder that actually. Um, Go ahead. Called Lou body dementia. And it basically makes like your dark and ominous thoughts like even more all encompassing. Right. It's a, it's a dementia. It's almost like has to be on par with like alzheimer's yeah but it it, yeah i've heard that it does it does things to your mind yeah yeah there's a wide range of symptoms um not all related to brain function but it can cause paranoia confusion insomnia constipation um and the ability to smell really yeah hmm and he he hadn't even like been diagnosed with that yet. Like they found this when they did his at- autopsy, didn't they? So, um, I don't know. I thought I heard that somewhere that he didn't even know that he was suffering from that. But uh, that could be wrong. I just know that he. Yeah. The only thing that I see is that before Robin Williams was diagnosed with it, 
it was purported that he was experiencing all those things. Okay. Yeah. And it says that it can be very difficult to diagnose. So. Oh. Yeah. So tragic. He was so talented. And, you know, everybody has said that he's just, he was a very good person. That's, yeah. Everybody said that he was a good person. Mm-hmm. Like, unfortunately, Patch didn't like the portrayal of his life. Really? So he was a little, yeah. So he was kind of a little jaded. Um, Why didn't he like it? The 1998 film Patch Adams was based on Adams' life and his views of medicine. Adams has heavily criticized the film, saying it abstained an accurate representation of his beliefs in favor of commercial viability. He said that out of all aspects of his life and activism, the film portrayed him merely as the funny doctor. Which I didn't take away from the movie like that. Yeah. I literally saw like he was trying to make a change because they were so strict in their ways. All these old men. Oh, yeah. (sighs) Okay. (laughs) It was the 60s. Yeah. Segregation was really real. You know, this is the second week in a row that we've done something that involved the time of segregation and people um, fighting against it. Yes. Which means we're picking people. Uh-huh. <laughs> that, but I, the fact that he didn't like the portrayal, you know, it's, I, I, he's, he's, that's his life. Obviously, right. he's justified in his his opinion. At least people are seeing some of the good that he did. You know, yes, and- it did bring awareness, and he did get like more people aware of what he wanted to do. And I think yeah. that helped. I think he was just more upset that all the money that came in and it didn't get put towards the hospital. Yeah. Like he said that Robin made $21 million and didn't offer any of it to him to help. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But he did release this when Robin Williams passed away. He said, the terrible news of the passing of Robin Williams reached me here in the Amazon late Monday night with tremendous sadness. Surrounded by over 100 friends and clowns on our annual clown trip, we mourn this tragic loss and continue to treasure his comic genius. Robin Williams was a wonderful, kind, and generous man. One important thing I remember about his personality is that he was unassuming. He never acted as if he was a powerful or famous Instead, he always tendered and welcoming, willing to help others with a smile or a joke. Robin was a brilliant comedian, there is no doubt. He was a compassionate, caring human being. While watching him work on the set of the film based on my life, Patch Adams, I saw that whenever there was a stressful moment, Robin would tap into his improvisation (laughs) style to lighten the mood of the cast and the crew. Also, I would like to point out Robin would especially kind toward my children. And when they were on set, he would visit them. Um, Contrary to how many people may view him, he actually seems to be an introvert. Mm -hmm. When he invited me and my family into his home, he valued peace and quiet 
a chance to breathe, a chance to get away from the fame that his talents had brought him. While early in life he turned to drug use and alcohol to escape, he replaced the addiction with moments of solitude to help cope with the stress and the fame. And this world is not kind to people who become famous. And the fame he was garnered was a nightmare. While sad and we are left with the consequences of his death, I'm emotionally grateful. I'm enormously grateful for his wonderful performance of my early life, which has allowed the Gesundheit Institute continue and expand for our work. We extend our blessings to his family and friends in the moment of sadness. Aww. So his problem with the movie, it wasn't a problem with Robin Williams. It was a no. problem with the the screenplay and how it was produced, basically. Yes. Yeah. Like, he, they, he just, like, really felt that they made him look like the funny doctor. Like, he thought that people didn't get what he was really trying to do. Like, really make an actual change to the medical industry. I see. And I call it an industry because that's what it is. It is. It absolutely is. It's just like any other big business. Yeah. And it shouldn't be. Yeah. So the Gazunheit Institute, while the establishment only lasted 12 years, they're still going and doing and... Yes. Okay. He's still working in Illinois, I think it is. Okay. Um, I wasn't able to find like exactly where it was in Virginia is where it was actually built, but I can't find like if it's still open or anything like that, like the actual thing, but he is working in Illinois. Okay. The hospital building had 44 beds. Um, it was in West Virginia. Sorry. Okay. But I think I like to think about how he said that Robin Williams did do comedy stand-ups to yeah. help with the stress of the actors and everybody on set because those stressful moments he was trying to and it, you know what i can see him being an introvert because of that because anytime you ever saw him in an interview or behind the scenes or anything he was always on always and always. he was given like 110 percent all the time and you have mm -hmm. to think that there had to be times where he just wanted to go home and turn everything off and not be robin williams anymore and right. just be himself just yeah like i'm just, gonna sit with myself and loathe that's not the right word but like i get it yeah like just nobody breathe. really knew how dark i was yeah i think i had it I know I didn't hide it well, but I think I hid it good enough that like people would know I'd have like bad days, but they always saw me super happy. Mm -hmm. Like I, my therapist told me, you are super intellectual, super intellectual, super smart. However, you are emotionally stupid mm -hmm. because I can't, I wouldn't allow myself to feel certain emotions. Yeah. And that's where you have to feel them. You can't yeah. just hide from them because it's it going to be painful, but you've got to, you got to get through it. You got to let yourself yeah. feel it. And yeah. And I think my mom's boyfriend killed himself mm -hmm. and he had raised me since I was eight. 
helped raise me with my mom and he killed himself when I was 24. Mm -hmm. So when I was seven, my dad died in a car crash and it was really hard for me when my mom started dating him because they looked identical. They really did. It was so scary. The very first time I met him, I literally was asking other people in the room if they could see him because (laughs) I thought it was a ghost. I'm not even remotely kidding. I was like, does anybody else see him right now? And I know people thought I was being a freak, but he looked, and that had to be why your mom was drawn to him. I mean, oh, I think so. Definitely. She she was missing him and was like, hey, this guy looks a lot like him. He was nothing like him as a person. He was nothing. And I think that's where it was a little traumatizing for me because my dad was this great man who I have very fond memories of. And then there's Mike who we did not get along. We butted heads. He was completely opposite from my dad. And it was traumatizing. Yeah. And so he killed himself and it was a lot because it brought up all those emotions again from when my dad died. I don't think people understand. You know, when you're in those moments where you're so depressed that you're contemplating suicide, you think everybody's just gonna be better off without me. You don't understand the impact of the people that are left behind. Um, When I was in college, a guy that I knew killed himself and I remember going to his funeral and I'd I'd met his brother, his older brother, a few times. I'd hung out with him a few times. But I just remember that, sure, we knew each other, but he grabbed me and held on to me. And and he was a big guy in like this crushing bear hug. And you could tell that he was just lost. He he didn't know what to do with himself anymore. People don't understand that the people that you left behind, like they you took yourself away from them and they can't yeah. they can't wrap their minds around that it's hard yeah. like i had to deal with the, his death and it's hard for me because like i didn't want to see him die i didn't want him in my life but you know if he would have reached out and said hey i need help yeah yeah absolutely and i, and I think even though i didn't want him in there in my life i would have helped in some way get him the resources that he needs or you know hey you know calling calling the local police department somebody needs to do a wellness check he's not doing good and you know i know we've talked a lot about you know our own personal matters here and um but i i just want our listeners to know that if you're feeling those those feelings in any way please reach out to somebody absolutely anybody it can be yeah. the mailman. It can be the person at the store. Just say, hey, I need somebody to talk to. Yeah. It can be us. Message us. Message us. We'll mm-hmm. give you all our social media links. Just, you know, message us. And, you know, if you need resources, if you just need somebody, if you just need to feel you're not alone, we're here. Right. Reach out. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, this was a heavy one. <laughs> Uh-huh. I told you it was going to be. I tried to prepare you. <laughs> it was. Mm-hmm. Oh, goodness. But I we did, you and I talked about this, and we said this week and next week, this is going to be our Restoring Faith in Mankind episodes. Yes. Um, Patch Adams yes. was somebody who cared about 
people. And next week, um, I'm going to be covering uh, the pilot Sully, who performed the water oh, yes. landing that yes. saved 157 people. Um, yes. So um, speaking of, <laughs> I just was looking through my notes and you said Sully, which Tom Hanks. Yes. Tom Hanks was considered for the title role. Okay, I could see that. Patch Adams, but he turned it down. Why did he turn it down? He turned it down because he was making Save it Pri- Saving Private Ryan. Okay, good decision. That was, that was uh-huh. a good movie. That was a really good movie. Did you see they're doing a live action Pinocchio and he's going to be Geppetto? <gasps> no, I didn't see that. Yeah, I saw that. Well, today. that's going to be good. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, he was Colonel Tom Parker, too. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's why I'm doing Sully. Maybe it's because I just want to continue. The Tom Hanks. Uh-huh. Did we have a couple more Tom Hanks things? Oh, yeah. He was going to be in Twister. He was. He was. <laughs> yeah. No, you were on a Stan- Stanley Tucci role for a while. Yes, I was. And now it's we've <laughs> gone around to Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. <laughs> yep. Yeah. All right. Well, is that about all we got? I think so. Let's give these nice people some uh, ways that they can get a hold of us if they just want to talk or they want to shoot us some um, topic ideas. Sandra, where can they reach us? They can reach us at <laughs> Facebook at the Mimesis Podcast, Instagram at the Mimesis Podcast, Twitter at Mimesis underscore podcast. And mimesispodcast.com. They can also email us at themimesispodcast at gmail.com. That's right. I feel like I'm forgetting one. Um, Patreon. Patreon. At mimesispodcast. Well, until next time. Bye. Bye.